the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on this Saturday, March 25th, 2023. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a packed one for you today. We've got some very, very interesting issues, uh, folks that are going to tell you what is happening, my friends. And again, it is very, very disturbing. Um, There was a child of two years old that was found at the border this past week with only a a note tapped or taped to their uh, chest that gave the name and address of the parent in Dallas, Texas. Now, picture this, my friends. You turn your two-year-old child over to unknown people after you pay them, of course, for them to cross your child illegally into the United States, and then they leave them abandoned on the river banks with only a note pinned to them that says that this child should be turned over later to the parent that's uh, whose ad- whose address is on I mean this is outrageous this is outrageous my friends we need to punish illegal aliens that do this we need to punish them this is an outrage I mean if you do this in the United States you go to jail for child abuse yet we reward illegal aliens by reunifying them with their kids this is outrageous This is just one example of how these policies, these liberal policies that Biden has, has created a problem. Uh, Anyway, all right, so let me tell you real quick who our our, uh, uh, guests are. First of all, we've got Mr. Ron Kovach from um, FAIR in Washington, D.C. He's going to be telling us the cost, the the outrageous costs that we are paying uh, for illegal immigration, for illegal immigrants to be... Uh, uh, to be settled in our community, for us to feed them, for us to to clothe them, for us to take care of them. Illegal aliens, people that came into the United States illegally. Then we have uh, Sheriff Roy Boyd from Goliad County, Texas, who's going to be talking to us about some Texas state legislation uh, that has just come out that uh, is uh, hoping to address the issue of the border. Very, very important legislation. Uh, it's getting a lot of criticism. Then we have Miss Bethany uh, Blankley, who is uh, who writes a, a freelance um, journalist who writes for uh, Center Square, and she's going to be giving you a very disturbing report regarding Chinese nationals, Chinese that are now crossing the border in greater and greater numbers. My friends, you're going to want to hear this. Our final guest is Miss Ath- Allison Anderson who is the wife of a Border Patrol agent. They live on the border. She is a citizen who lives on the border, who sees the problem on a regular basis. You're going to want to hear her um, interview, my friends. Welcome to the show. Call your friends, my friends. It's going to be a good one. This is going to be one of the ones that you're going to be talking about at a later time. We will post it so that everyone can can, can listen to it again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. Please, 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 if you're interested in donating to our 501c3, let me know. Also, if you're interested in advertising on our show, my friends, and our show goes national, uh, let me know. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Ron Kovach who is the press secretary for 
FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform in Washington, D.C. I wanted to get him on because we do a lot of talking here on our show about the issue of uh, the numbers of people crossing the border. And uh, we've also been chatting more and more about what happens to them once they cross the border. What is what is the impact on communities? Ron, welcome to the show. I understand you guys have done, done some studies about this. Tell us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me back here. So FAIR just recently put out this new study, George. It, it, it's absolutely insane. What we ended up finding is that the American taxpaying public, so all American taxpayers, are paying $150.7 billion, billion with a B, annual annual money to foster illegal immigration coming into the United States. So that number, there's a lot that goes into it. Ultimately, what happens is between federal expenditures, between state and local expenditures, we're saying, you know, when they're getting an ID, when they're getting free health care, free college, things along those lines, that total is $182 billion. We're even factoring in the fact where, you know, they may pay some taxes, may contribute a little bit to society. That number is $31 billion, which brings us to a total of almost $151 billion, the American tax payers spend on illegal immigration. It is completely ludicrous, George. Incredible. Now, here in San Antonio, for example, we can use that, that um, there are uh, there is a migrant center, they call it a migrant center, an illegal alien uh, center where they uh, bring in the uh, folks that have just crossed the border to process them. And so what we have found out is what that means is that they, uh, if they're sick, they go over to the emergency room uh, here at uh, the local hospitals for treatment. We pay for it. Uh, if they have children and if they're going to stick around a little bit longer than two, three months, uh, they are enrolled in school at our expense. Uh, mo- mostly after three days, they are given a ticket and flown uh, to wherever they are going uh, at our expense. Would this be some of our? Oh, plus uh, they are they are housed uh, at uh, at hotels and at this uh, center itself, which is always over capacity. So that means that they're always uh, at hotels. All of this at taxpayer expense. Is this of what course. we're talking about? This is exactly what we're talking about, and I'm glad you're talking about Texas specifically. So obviously, being where Texas is located, being a border state, of course, every state's a border state, but Texas is definitely feeling the brunt end of this and all these policies here. What we're looking at is in a state-by-state diagnosis of what's going on, Texas is spending $13.4 billion every year. So that's a big chunk out of that $151 billion, and I'll tell you, Texans are paying the second most out of any state in the union right now. The only state that beats them is California, which more than doubles at 30 million. So what's the difference? Why does Texas pay 13 and why does California pay 30? That's because the Texas makes all these programs out of necessity where California makes it a little more out of willingness. You know, if you're, you catch my drift with that. Um, and ultimately what's going on is that we have $10 billion. You talked about education. $10 billion every single year is being shelled out just for education in the state of Texas. For police, legal corrections, you know, whether someone trespassing on your property, things along those lines, all those fees are $1.5 billion. And that does not include, you know, if you need to fix your fence, they stole your car trying to get those type of fees. Only fees that go as far as lawyer fees and what's actually doled out inside of the actual end of the legal trial there is what's included in that number. There's a lot more fees that go into that on top of it. This is a very modest estimate. And then on top of that, we have $2 million $2 billion every single year, which is going to what you're talking about, the health care, the public assistance, the general government services, bringing us to that $13.4 billion num- number. And what that comes down to is that the average illegal alien when they come into Texas, so I mean, you know, they're coming in by the thousands every single day. Every single illegal alien that comes into Texas costs $4,466. Let me say that again. Every single head that comes across the border costs $4,466, and that counts to over $1,000 every single Texas household has to pay because of this burden. It is absolutely astronomical, and really there's no choice in the matter because there's so many people coming over, and you have to have some sort of orderly process to do it. And now that's just inside of the state. I mean, obviously, federally, you're paying more as well, whether it's coming to CBP stations, whether it's coming to DHS, everything along those lines. The the, the number is just otherworldly. You know, try to picture a billion of anything, and there's $13.4 billion every single year going to try to fix this crisis that Biden and his administration is refusing to. 
Now, the other aspect of it are the indirect costs. Uh, the My favorite story on that is uh, I have a, a, a niece uh, whose car was hit by an illegal alien here in town, here in San Antonio. Uh, the illegal alien obviously did not have a driver's license. The car was not registered and, very importantly, did not have insurance. Yeah, if they were in Minnesota or Massachusetts, they would have had a driver's license. Some of those states are doing some wild things right now. <laughs> well, the, you know, uh, for my niece, the insurance costs went up because, well, she had to eat it. So in that aspect of it, I mean, there's that those costs that are also, also coming in, besides the fact that we're paying taxes uh, to, uh, to for public assistance, there's also that situation, isn't there? Yeah, of course. I mean, you're paying all kinds of taxes. I mean, it seems like a lot of these taxpayer dollars are going straight to it. I mean, imagine what this $13.4 billion could be going to, George. We need to get veterans off the street. We could be putting people in jobs who need them, you know, who are unemployed right now in Texas. I mean, there's so many different ways we could spend this money so much better instead of the taxpayer dollars going to all the problems which the illegal aliens are causing inside of the state. Yeah. I mean, here in, here in San Antonio, one of the um, things that was hushed up by the local media as well by as well as by the uh, local government was when um, the uh, illegal aliens first started to arrive in huge numbers that they displaced out of the homeless shelters all of the uh, uh, domestic homeless, all of the Americans, all of the veterans and everybody else that was in there that was uh, naturally born. Yeah, it, it, it's terrible. It's terrible um, because ultimately what we're doing is we're letting all these people in who should be residing in their own countries. I mean, if these people are economic migrants, we know for a fact that just based off economic reasons, that is not a reason to get asylum inside of the United States. And it's, you know, you have places in your own country which are going to help with that. You don't need to come to our country, take our resources and use American taxpayer dollars to try to support what's going on. Yeah. And uh, and and uh, again, one of those situations uh, or, or uh, one of the stories that seems to be proliferating right now is that somehow the numbers of encounters has dropped. And uh, I believe that's more uh, of a count situation because they're using the app and they're not counting the app, the people yeah, that are yeah. using the app. The app. Of course. So what what the Biden administration touted was they said that in February they saw 120, essentially 128,000, 129,000 migrants encountered in between points of entry. But really what happened was it, the number that we counted by the Office of Field Operations, the amount that they've counted at legal points of entries has skyrocketed. That number is at over 83,000 right now. So, I mean, you combine those two numbers together, we're at 212,000, making it the highest February on record. Just because Biden's doctoring up these numbers with the CBP-1 app, and he's having more people come to point of entries. Instead of entering in between points of entries, you know, you don't have the pictures of all the people lining up on the Rio Grande, everything like that. You know, it's just the 212,000 are the ones coming in and over half of them are coming in at point of entries now simply because of the CBP-1 app. It's a complete circumvention of the law. Yep. Now, once again, because the illegal alien ends up in New York doesn't mean that the taxpayer in Mayberry, for example... Uh, will not pay for it as well because this is federal money, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Well, you know, there's multiple factors that go into it. So whether it's a state program that's going to be, you know, if they're busting them up to New York, the Texas tax taxpayer is still going to be paying for that. But there's also federal expenditures which they're going to have along the way. What our study found was that there's almost over $66 billion in federal expenditures which are spent and then $115 billion which is in state and local expenditures. So, you know, whether it's they're inside of the country and they're not in Texas, you're going to be paying for it. Or if you're doing any sort of transportation from Texas to New York, anything along those lines, you're going to be paying for it anyways. It might even double dip inside of your pockets there. Oh, but other than that, uh, everything's fine, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, you'd think so. We still got Mayorkas in there, which is something we want to make sure we're trying to do, trying to get him out, because I think almost anyone could do a better job than he is right now. Uh, real quick, do you think that he will be impeached? I think that the signs of him being impeached are brighter every single day. There was actually an article in the uh, Washington Examiner that came out a couple days ago. What they ended up saying was uh, a Democrat, finally, a Democrat in the House of Representatives, Rep. Juan Vargas, ended up saying that he wants to see DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas impeach. This is monumental, George, because of the fact that this is the first Democrat to come out and say he needs to be impeached. And guess what the reason was? It was because he ended up saying, uh, Mayorkas told uh, Representative Vargas, he said, we're going to build some border wall over 
in San Diego, try to give the people in California some help because after all, they are after this cost study, they're paying the most out of anyone, $30 billion every single year to try to maintain this crisis, what's going on, trying to make sure the people don't get overwhelmed. And uh, what ended up happening was uh, Vargas hasn't seen any construction. He hasn't heard anything from Mayorkas. He used the word, he said, Mayorkas betrayed us. That's what he said. Uh, if he can't, yeah, yeah, if he can't get a rallying call around, you know, other representatives behind that, I don't know what will make him do anything. You got it. Thank you very, very much for being with us, Ron. Tell the folks uh, how they can uh, support and uh, donate to uh, FAIR. Of course, of course. Appreciate it, George. Yeah, you can find us at fairus.org, F-A-I-R-U-S.org. Of course, as I talk about every week, we got the uh, red donate button at the top, five, ten dollars whatever you could do would definitely help out. Of course, hearing about this study, hearing about what we're doing, state-by-state analyses, everything along those lines. If you give us any donation, that's going to be able to help us keep on keeping on with all this stuff. We want to make sure we're getting the information to the people. So we would love if you could follow us there. We also have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Fair Immigration. Would love a follow there as well, George. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've been talking with our good friend, Mr. Ron Kovach, from the uh, FAIR, from uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Thanks a lot, Ron. Thanks so much. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Sheriff Roy Boyd, from Goliad County, Texas. And... Um, did I? Morning, George. How you doing? Good, real good, Sheriff. I hope you're being safe <laughs> in today's <laughs> in today's South Texas. We don't know. <laughs> uh, let me let me ask you, Sheriff, because I know that you're involved with uh, sheriff's organizations as well as your own county uh, related to the issues that uh, are impacting all our communities uh, regarding the uh, border crisis. Um, There is a bill that is working its way through the Texas House, uh, which uh, has stirred up some controversy among the uh, left and the liberals. But at the same time, it's 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 very interesting to those of us who want Texas to do something about the the border crisis. Um, What can you tell us about House Bill 20? Well, I sat down, I, I took a look at this bill, went through it, and of course, it's, you know, the Border Protection uh, Unit Act, which this bill really creates the Border Protection Unit, which I would assume would fall under the authority of the border czar. And I don't know if this bill was, uh, was you know, was written before or after the, the border czar, Mr. Banks, was, uh, was appointed by the governor. But, uh, you know, I sat down and that's really what this does is is it, it begins to create an agency under the authority of the border czar through the authority of the governor and the commission of uh, Texas DPS. Uh, and I've gone through and taken a look at it. And I, overall, I think it's a, a really good idea. And to be honest with you, I guess about maybe two or three months ago, uh, I submitted a document to the governor and I've submitted it to the border czar since he took office uh, with with a recommendation for the uh, reformation of the Texas Department of Homeland Security under the authority of the border czar so that we would have an entity that is concentrated on criminal activity that is related to the border as well as to uh, foreign organized crime that is uh, implanting itself all throughout the state of Texas. So, uh, you know, the bill, of course, puts puts this border uh, security unit, border protection unit, under the Department uh, of Public Safety under DPS. But I, I know that there's some 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 discussion about some of the language in it uh, that uh, that is probably going to be changed as it goes through. And uh, I know, you know, there were some things that are there in there that. Uh, you, you would question, okay, why would you do that? Because and a good example is under the bill, it puts the Border Protection Unit under DPS and under the commission that is in charge of DPS. But if you go to page seven of the bill and it says the director may not exercise, the director, of course, is the colonel of uh, DPS. The director may not exercise any operational or administrative control of the Border Protection Unit or the unit chief. Uh, and so... Why would you put it under DPS if you're going to tell DPS that they have no authority over it? Because 
basically, if I'm in McCraw's position, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you've made me responsible for something that's under my under my uh, my agency, but you've taken away my authority to have any control. So I'm responsible for things outside of my control. And that's not uh, how you normally conduct uh, operations, whether it be in corporate or governmental world. That so. makes yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. So uh, the things that you have seen uh, as a sheriff, as well as the uh, other sheriffs that uh, are associated with you, um, the uh, the the cartel activity, the human smuggling, the the drug smuggling. Uh, do you think? that um, the federal government has stepped up in any way and therefore, you know, the the uh, the state doesn't have to or, do, or are they just completely failing and the state needs to do something? <laughs> You're funny, George. <laughs> now, the, 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 federal, the federal government has done absolutely nothing. Uh, the federal government is, and, and I say, we, we always say the federal government, but it's it's a bureaucrats within a federal government at a certain level of supervisory and leadership positions. Because I use Border Patrol as a good example. Border Patrol is an organization that is full of outstanding men and women. People that love this country and are doing everything that they can. But every time they become efficient at enforcing the laws or working around the bureaucratic mess that the uh, the people in Washington D.C. have created, uh, then the border patrol changes their their bosses change the rules on them again, and basically reset their their ability to be effective, take it away from them, and make them have to try to go back and figure some a new way to become effective again. You know, and it's to the point now where they're doing it at such a such a pace. That what Border Patrol is doing is they're taking they're taking agents that are effective at field work and effective at at uh, illegal alien apprehension, and they're identifying those individuals and they're they're moving them to administrative or or logistical positions to get them out of the field so that they can no longer be effective in the field. And they'll they'll assign them to something like a processing center or doing something like that. And that's basically a punishment for doing their job very well. Amazing. And so, yeah, the the federal government is is working to, you know, aid and abet the cartels and the Mexican government in their efforts to get as many people into the country as they can. And so the state has to do something. And thanks to the leadership of Governor Greg Abbott and uh, and the Texas legislature, we've begun to do that. And I I have to say, I've, I've met with Mr. Banks uh, on several occasions, and we've had some pretty good conversations. And I think the governor made a, a, a really wise choice on who he wanted for the boards are. You know, I'm a person who's skeptical when you take somebody out of the federal system and put them into the state system because it doesn't always match up because the state is not the federal government. But I think that Mr. Banks has the right mentality to achieve the mission that the governor and the legislator, the legislature, have in mind. And so I think if they will they will provide him with the, the freedom and the tools that he needs to accomplish the goals that the governor wants, I believe that Mr. Banks will be able to make it happen because uh, we've uh, the sheriffs, as the Operation Lone Star Task Force, we've met with him and uh, everybody's pretty much unified. They're very impressed with, uh, with his mindset and his methodology that he's laid out. But the bottom line to this... House Bill 20, if the, if the federal government isn't doing its job to protect us as citizens of Texas, to protect the border, to secure the border, then the state has to step up. And House Bill 20, do you feel at least is a starting point or will help in do that, doing that? I think it is. Uh, I think it's a starting point. There, there are tweaks that I'm sure will be made, you know, uh, because... If not, there will cause some internal internal issues, you know, and I'll give you one other quick example. You know, the bill says the commission uh, shall shall transfer existing personnel, equipment, and facilities to the unit, meaning the Border Protection Unit, from within the Department of Public Safety as necessary at the discretion of the commission. And so basically what that means is stripping 
resources and personnel out of out of DPS uh, and moving them into that unit. And you and I both know that that would cause that 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 can cause issues within itself. So I, I think this is a this is a start. I think the the state, the legislature, I think that uh, Representative Schaefer, I believe they're all trying to do the best they can, and they're 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 making a way where they where they can. And I mean, we we applaud them for for their efforts. But I will tell you, as far as House Bill Twenty, what you'll find is you'll find that the sheriffs won't won't show up at the legislature and take an official stand because to be quite honest with you the bill doesn't have anything really to do with the sheriffs uh it's more at the state level and so don't take the uh the lack of political action on behalf of the sheriffs as a disapproval in any way it's just the simple fact that this uh this bill is more geared towards the state side than the local side and so as as local governmental officials we tend to let the state hash out their their own, you know, their own issues within these bills and bring them to a successful resolution uh, instead of us interfering with it. And so I think that's probably what you'll see with House Bill 20. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Sheriff, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us this morning. Uh, folks, we're, we've been speaking with Sheriff Roy Boyd from Goliad County, Texas. And uh, Sheriff... You stay safe down there. Yes, sir. I sure will. Take care. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Miss Bethany Blankley, who is a uh, reporter for Center Square, for the Center Square. She's a freelance writer. Um, She has just written, broken a story uh, about the number of Chinese immigrants, migrants, illegal aliens, whatever you want to call them, uh, the number of Chinese that are crossing into the border here in South Texas, and uh, among other things. So let's talk first of all. Bethany, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. First of all, uh, tell us about this article that you wrote and about uh, the Chinese that have been uh, caught at the border. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, So the Rio Grande Valley sector, which is in the southernmost tip of Texas, their agents have historically historically been the ones apprehending the most people who are coming in illegally um, through between ports of entry or surrendering at ports of entry. Um, It's only recently that the numbers are, people are being pushed west. So from El Paso to Tucson, they're seeing some higher numbers. But Rio Grande Valley historically gets the most um, apprehensions. They've reported significant gotaways. And then in one day uh, last week, they had 90 Chinese nationals that came in. And it was the greatest number of Chinese apprehended in a single day by Rio Grande Valley agents since 2010. Now, I know that um, the sheriff of Kimball County, which is Junction, Texas, uh, just um, west of San Antonio, a good uh, 100 miles west of San Antonio, they had intercepted a car or stopped a car that had some Chinese uh, migrants in it, some Chinese illegal aliens that were sneaking in. So I, I, I gather this, I mean, they have been coming in, but not in this great number, I guess. Well, a lot of them are coming in through Canada. Ah. So, so the, the bigger numbers of, um, um, of, of nationals in terms of where they're coming from in the country, you're going to see Chinese and Indians that are coming into Canada um, because they can fly from wherever they are, um, primarily into Ontario, and then they're going to come in. Um, well, we've seen them coming in in Vermont, northern New York, upstate New York. Um, we've seen them in, um, in some of the Midwestern states. 
Um, but so far this year, they've had a record almost 1,700 Chinese nationals that have been apprehended. Um, and 91% of them are single adults. And so this is a 930% increase uh, this fiscal year compared to last fiscal year. Now, so the numbers keep going up, and and it's not just the southern border. Even though this was a record in Rio Grande Valley, it's also in the northern border. Wow. The uh, now you know you've written before. You've reported about how it's not just uh, it's not just Chinese nationals that are coming across now. Um, we've got record numbers. Period of people crossing the border. Um, among them. We've got terrorists, we've got uh, uh, child rapists, we've got all sorts of characters among them, correct? Yes, so part of the story I did was about the Chinese nationals, and it was a record, but also in the same week, Border Patrol agents were assaulted, Um, they saved abandoned children, they arrested individuals with outstanding warrants, Um, violent gang members, people who are sex offenders, um, it, you know, it, these are from El Salvador, uh, Mexico, um, MS-13, um, Paisa, wild Mexican gang members. You know, these are all people who have criminal histories with possession of weapons. Um, uh, they, one of them recently was, um, had already, they can tell if they, if they're in their system, if they have criminal records. So one of the people they apprehended last week, um, had a pre- previously sentenced for 20 years for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and manslaughter in 2004. Um, another one, um, had was had already had arrest warrants out for criminal possession and uh, possession of a weapon or cocaine uh, had ar- already been previously sentenced to prison. Uh, others were for human trafficking, um, a sex offense against children. So these are, and then on top of it, when you have people coming in from other countries who don't speak English, um, border patrol agents are overwhelmed. So they don't, a lot of the agents speak Spanish, but the people who are coming in from Russia, Ukraine, China, none of them speak English. So they have to get third party interpreters and it just takes so much longer to do the paperwork to process all these people that are coming through. Wow. I mean, it is, it, it is an absolute border crisis that we're looking at at this point. Um, would, uh, would, would you say that, um, this uh, this situation of everybody, I mean, the world coming to our doorstep, uh, would you say that uh, it, it, it has been created by the policies that we're looking at? I mean, these people are being paroled. I was reading where the, um, the, the Chinese were processed, whatever that means, and then paroled. Does that mean it was they were catch, caught and released? Yes. So basically what the Border Patrol agents have explained to me is that the Chinese are claiming um, credible threats of fear or credible fear um, because uh, from the Communist Republic of China, uh, from their government. um, So they're saying they're, they're coming here and they're claiming asylum, citing credible fear from the communist government. And that's what everybody's doing. And Many of the agents believe they've been coached and told to do that by nonprofit organizations or NGOs. Um, if it's through the United Nations or um, another type of NGO um, that's helping them um, get to from point A to point B um, into Mexico or into Canada. And then if they're surrendering at ports of entry, they're claiming asylum, citing credible fear. So then they're getting processed and then depending on the on if they think they can be turned away based on title 42 then they are the title 42 ends in may so it, the numbers are only going to be expected to, to increase and they've been encouraged to come by the biden administration because of this new uh app mobile app that they can use on their phone So even though you see these record numbers, this is something else for people to remember. Even though you see record numbers at ports of entry, those numbers exclude the people who are using the app and flying in and then just coming into the country. 
So we we are not certain yet in terms of how great these numbers are really going to be. Yeah, because uh, the word games that are being played now, these people that use the app are not considered uh, are not considered uh, illegal aliens or, or uh, how do they put it, uh, people that uh, that they are contacted or or uh, that they are caught, and so therefore they're not included in in the count, are they? Well, in in one of the one of the reports most recently from February, um, when I did the the numbers from February that CBP reported, uh, he they announced. I'm just looking through it real quick. Um, they announced that twenty thousand people were released into the United States through the app. So, so it was over 20,000 people at ports of entry as exceptions to Title 42, um, based on, end of quote, based on individual vulnerability assessment using the new available functionality in the CBP1 mobile application. So they are breaking it down by app, but it's streamlining it so that it can't technically be considered an apprehension. Yep. So so the way that they're trying to change the numbers around, it doesn't change the totals, but it changes it changes the totals because of how they're reporting it. Yes. So if I'm not coming in, you know, across I'm crossing the river and I'm claiming asylum, that's considered an apprehension. But if I use the mobile app and I'm doing the exact same thing, then they're not counting it that way. Right, yeah, and uh, I have seen where uh, the liberal news media, the New York Times and NBC and a few others are are claiming that uh, the numbers have dropped. uh, of Yeah, and that's not true. (laughs) It's not true. When you look, especially even with the northern numbers um, and uh, even with the drug confiscations, uh, the criminals that are coming through, um, it's just not true. So the other thing they're doing to change how they are counting is, is they'll say unique encounters. So what I've been doing is I've been reporting total encounters, and I've also been doing Godaway numbers because I get Godaway numbers from a border patrol agent. So they don't um, they don't include a lot of the data that is reported on the back end publicly. Gotcha. So they may say there were only. Um, 1.2 apprehensions in fiscal year so far, but in reality, it's well over 1.6 million if you're including the Godaways. Oh my gosh, 1.6 yeah. million! Wow. Well, it's it's over that because based on my calculations from all the Godaway data that I got, um, we did a story on that, and it's well over 1.64 million. Wow. And that's only be, only including Border Patrol data because I'm not including Office of Field Operation data, and it only includes the nine Southwest sectors, so I'm not including Godaway data from all 20 sectors of Border Patrol. Wow. So it's a minimum. It's a minimum of um, the number I had for Godaways was 358,124, and that's only for nine sectors, and it's only for Border Patrol, and that's from October through February. Wow. So it's almost 360,000 Godaways from October through February, only Border Patrol data from nine Southwest sectors, excluding the others in the 20 sectors and excluding Office of Field Operation data, meaning it's higher. So we could be closer to half a million of gotaways. And what other law enforcement agents will say is that this is only a fraction because they're known and reported. It doesn't account for those who are unknown and who are unreported, who aren't seen on the cameras, and um, those are not included. So when Kenny County counts all these people coming through on their critter cams or um you know, the cameras that the ranchers right. have on their property, he's counting about 150 to 160 a day. Now, those are not included in the Godaway numbers with Border Patrol. Yep. So in his one county alone, he's looking at 150 to 160 a day times 365. 
none of those numbers are included in Godaway's with Border Patrol, or at least we don't, there isn't an overlap. And it's hard, it would be hard to know if somebody coming through on a certain ranch at a certain time that's captured on a camera came through somewhere else that a Border Patrol agent might have reported was a Godaway. Wow. And so the bigger issue for all of this are the thing that the majority of people coming through either three ports of entry or in between, regardless if they're apprehensions using the app or their gotaways, a majority of them, like 90%, are single people. And when you look at the gotaways, what anybody across the board will tell you in law enforcement is that they're single military-aged men. Disturbing. We're going to need to let you go, but uh, tell the folks where they can follow you, Bethany, because you've got a ton of great information. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter, which is at BethanyBlankley.com, and then they can follow my articles through the Center Square. And hopefully next month, I hope to be doing some more social media things, and I'll keep you posted. Excellent. Friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Miss Miss uh, Bethany Blankley. Thank you very, very much, Bethany, for, for being with us and giving us this, this report. Well, thanks for having me. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got a new guest with us, Miss Allison Anderson. And Allison lives, she and her husband and family live in, in Val Verde County, which is where Del Rio is located. But they live to the west of the city. They live in the prairies, in the desert area, which uh, is directly west of the city. And uh, it's a very rural, sparsely populated area. Uh, nevertheless, it's on the border. And I wanted to reach out to her and just to ask her, what is the situation there like uh, with this border crisis on? So, Allison, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Um, yes, thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, tell us, give us a, a snapshot of what it's like to live where you are with this border crisis going on. Well, in a very short description, it is chaotic. It's it's hectic. It's a ball of anxiety. And uh, there's a lot of crime that is steadily increasing. That's all related to the border. So out by us... Where we live, uh, we live by Lake Amistad and west of Del Rio. We border up to a ranch, and that ranch that is south of us runs along the river. So we're having groups that cross the river, and then they cut through this ranch. And between the ranch and our property is the first paved small little road. And we are seeing such an increase of um, traffic with illegals and, more specifically, uh, smuggling. There's a lot of smuggling activities that's going off of the back end of our property because of how many little one-mile roads there are to get up to the highways. And then, as you know, it only takes a few seconds for them to hit the highway, and they're gone. The uh, the area that you're in, it's it's obviously not in in the Del Rio Police Department jurisdiction. Uh, it is out. Uh, it is in the rural area. What is We're law county. enforcement? What is law enforcement like for you in that area? Is it? Uh, I mean, how long does it take them to respond? Um, we are county, so we rely on. I mean, me personally, I call border patrol. My husband's a border patrol agent, so anytime there is activity related to illegals, I call border patrol first. If I know that someone can't respond from border patrol, then I will call the sheriff's department. And which I've had to do and even had to do recently um, when there was a smuggler on our property refusing to leave our property, I ended up calling the sheriff's department. But I can tell you with the few times that we've had the sheriff's department out here responding to things on the property, um, specifically the night that we had a group of illegals knocking on our Dodgers bedroom window at night, uh, it took 38 minutes for my call to go out and for the deputies to arrive on the property and I can tell you that I can literally walk from my house to the highway in less than 38 minutes so there's no wonder why that group that night I mean they got away and that's what we're seeing out here is the groups that get spotted 
they're gone before law enforcement can even respond out here. And often cases, if they set cameras off, you know, Border Patrol cameras, we don't have any DPS brush crew cameras that are out anywhere around this area yet. I'm hoping soon in the future, but I know if groups hit the Border Patrol camera or the helicopter spot them, then there's a better chance of those groups getting picked up. But when it's us as landowners and neighbors and the property owners out here spotting them, they're gone in seconds before law enforcement can even come out here and respond to work the groups. Now, you, you just related about um, uh, some men knocking on your on your daughter's window. Um, yes, sir. Have, have uh, there been other instances where, uh, you know, you just, things look very, very suspicious, if not dangerous, at your home uh, or, yes. or any place yes. else? Yes, I've had, I can tell you, um, in the last, I'd say, nine months, we've had three groups that we know of that have been up on our decks. We have our front and back decks are raised and they've come up the steps and they've been on the decks looking in the windows. Two of those situations, they were at our daughter's bedroom windows. And then one of them was, they watched my husband leave for work and um, they were knocking on their window. So there's a lot of stuff that happens out here, especially once it gets dark where um, it's very unsettling. I mean, to, I have I've had to arm myself and literally push groups off of my house to ensure the safety of my family to get them to leave just to ensure the safety of myself and my kids, especially when my husband's working. Wow! Now our show reaches um, reaches New York and D.C. Uh, and other places. Uh, we get uh, we get a lot of uh, notes from folks who tell us that they have a hard time believing that the border is that bad, that the border crisis is this bad, and uh, that the dangers are, are, are this bad. What would you tell them? I would tell them that, like, I understand that the situations seem <clears throat> hard to believe, um, but also, you know, with my husband being a Border Patrol agent, he's currently on horse patrol, but before he was on horse patrol, He's one of the agents, he's EMS too, um, and he's had to do chest compressions on a toddler, a little girl that was pulled out of the river, and it was later discovered that, I mean, she had been just brutalized, savagely abused, and suspected of being used as payment to cross the river, and sadly, I mean, she passed away, but... There are situations like that. I mean, he's had to deal with people that have fallen off the trains and giving them first aid. And But then at the same time, when he gets off work and comes home, we've had dopers on our property that he's working. And, I mean, amongst many other groups, at the same time, he's responding to our neighbor's houses and our neighbor's calls. And he's working groups on our neighbor's houses when they're, you know, either damaging the fences or... Uh, cameras are going off showing groups either they're hiding. We've had our neighbors. One neighbor had them hiding in their boat and... I mean, they're, they're just everywhere out here. I know it's hard to believe, especially when you're not down here, but from people who have to experience this on a very daily basis, it's exhausting and it's very much real. Yeah. And, and, and since your husband works with the Border Patrol, let me ask you this question, because recently um, there was a hearing in Far Texas, a congressional hearing, and no, none of the Democrats showed up for that. Uh, on the other hand, there was a visit by Biden and Mayorkas to El Paso and then on to um, uh, Mexico. Um, yes. What is the morale? What is what is his outlook right now as a uh, as as somebody who works for the, for the Border Patrol? Well, thankfully, with him being on horses right now, he is currently able to be out in the field working groups and I mean he catches groups every single day and some of the numbers that come back like from those days are just mind-blowing of how many people are out there in the brush but as far as morale goes it's it's horrific and to know that the administration is lying to the country about whether or not we have a border that is secure it's not secure our agents aren't in the field doing their jobs in secure so it can't be secure. <laughs> and I can tell you from my own personal experience with how many people we have coming through our property or loading off and being smuggled off of our property that there's no way that it is secured. So the morale with the agents, they want their jobs back. They want to be able to go back in the field. They want to be able to go back and do what they join the patrol to do. I mean, they're not able to do that right now. And 
it, I mean, without, you know, lack of better terms, it sucks. Like it's not fair. And then to have to be stuck dealing with these family units at the same time, you know, all of these other criminal illegals are getting away is, is frustrating. And not to mention at the same time that our agents, they're the ones that are risking everything every single day that they put those uniforms on and go to work. And these smuggling cases that are the, all these high speed pursuits, you know, they're assisting either DPS or DPS is assisting them or other local law enforcement. We, we have them all working together out in Valverde County. And I mean, you just see the dangers. There's a lot more um, assaults that are happening now on agents. There's more agent involved shootings that are happening. It's the, it's intensifying and it is becoming extremely dangerous. And the fact that our administration is still allowing this to continue is, is very upsetting. This last question before we let you go. Yes, sir. You as a mother, as a wife, as an American citizen, what is your message to, uh, to this administration? I think they need to be held accountable. They need to be held accountable for what they've done as far as opening this border up. They need to be held accountable for the amount of violent criminals that have come through this border, not to mention the terrorists that we know have come through over our border. They need to be held accountable for their lies. They need to be held accountable for what they've done to our Border Patrol agents in tying their hands and misrepresent. I mean, the whole misrepresentation of the horse patrol, I mean, it's... It's ludicrous, and they should be held responsible for everything that they've done, because this is not right. This is very un-American, what they've done down here on our border. At least, at least. At least, yes. At least. Allison Anderson, thank you very, very much. Uh, Allison is in Valverde County, just west of uh, of uh, Del Rio. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, Allison. I want to get you back on the show again sometime soon. To give us an update of what is going on. All righty. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on, sir. I appreciate it. You got it. it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Once again, my friends, I want to thank our guests, uh, Mr. Ron Kovach from FAIR, uh, Sheriff Roy Boyd from uh, Goliad County, Texas, Miss Bethany Blankley with uh, Center Square, and uh, of course, Allison Anderson, a very good, strong lady very brave lady living on the border. Uh, I can't thank them enough for being on our show. Thank you for listening in, my friends. Please continue to support our program. Please continue to uh, to uh, tell your friends about it. Invite us to uh, speak, etc., etc. My friends, thank you very much. Once again, George Rodriguez ca- talking to you from San Antonio, El Conservador. Till next time, next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.